0: Well, this is new, huh? These are some pretty snazzy digs. Greetings. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here. Live and on demand and on location. That's right. Not even America Airlines could stop us from coming down this time. They did the last. Uh, But we are live and uh, on demand and on location here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here. But this time I didn't come alone. That's why we're in this massive studio. I brought the entire crew to Dallas with me. Todd Erzin is here with me. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm here, so that's good. It's fantastic. I mean, I don't even... The the posture, the the vibe you're putting off right now. You know that we're doing like a live show here, right? Because, I mean, you literally look like you're just waiting for the second, your second beer to be delivered and you're just kind of kicked back and you're relaxed.
1: I am waiting for my second beer to be delivered. <laughs>
0: You're probably still waiting for your coming. first. Yes. I mean, it's five o'clock somewhere, right? And yes, he gets to make his first ever trip here to Dallas to see the sprawling headquarters of Blaze TV, our one and only Aaron McIntyre. Good to see you, brother. How are you?
2: Doing uh, Doing very well. Uh, this is quite the astounding place. So I, I just, I got here. I went into a little corner and started working on editing and things like that. And uh, I was just like kind of wandering at one point and... Uh, Forrest Gump's bench is, like, just out there. Yes. I mean, that's... And Dorothy's red
0: shoes. That's pretty cool. And the I, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Yeah, just yes. a few. Yeah. Just to name a few.
1: Captain America's mask yes. is out there. Really. One of one
0: of Darth Vader's helmets is out there. Oh, brother, we could take you to the building here just uh, around the way where uh, Glenn has, I mean, it's literally centuries of, keepsake, of keepsakes. I mean, you could you could get lost in the vault of Americana that Glenn has, um, that that he has created and and achieved and obtained here. And um, when when we did our final filming for Nefarious here back in January, and of um, one of our co-stars, uh, Jordan Belfi, who plays the psychiatrist who will go toe to toe with Nefarious uh, in our film, uh, he got a chance to do a tour. Uh, we took him, we brought him over here and did a tour of the facility here. And and uh, Glenn personally took took Jordan back uh, into his vault of Americana. Wow. And it was fascinating. You know, here's this guy from Hollywood and he's been in a ton of TV shows from Entourage to CSI and all this stuff, right? Clearly immersed in Hollywood culture. And this is like a whole, this is his, but this is his historical legacy. He's an American and he, he's never been exposed to like almost any of this stuff at all. And I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, standing back from about five feet away, watching literally like scales in a metaphorical sense come off his eyes. He's being opened up to a whole bunch of history. And one thing I'll never forget is uh, Glenn asked him, so, you know, here's one of the original drafts of the Declaration of Independence that includes the plank uh, that, uh, that condemned slavery and King George III for exporting the barbaric slave trade here to the uh, to the colonies. And he asked, "Jordan, do you know, you know what the vote was to to take the the language out of the final, uh, you know, declaration?" He goes, "I don't know. Maybe it was really split, that's why they took it out." And Glenn's like, "No, it was 11 to 2. The only two colonies that were against it were South Carolina and Georgia. Uh, the other 11 colonies agreed that slavery was barbaric and wanted to have it uh, eradicated from the very founding of the republic." And just to see I mean, he like, frankly, was like watching him interact with Nefarious sometimes while filming mm. the movie. He just kind of, kind of took a step back. Okay, it was clear that this was an entire heritage and legacy of his country. That you know, this guy's forty years old. He's a successful actor. Uh, he's not stupid. I got a chance to know him fairly decently on the set. He had his his wife had their first child in the middle of making our movie, and, I mean, he just didn't know any of this stuff. I mean, and so I wonder how much of of, of the keepsakes, the artifacts, basically, that Glenn has across the street here. Maybe we'll take you over there while we're here. Sure. Uh, But how much of that history do even people in our own audience know, let alone the broader culture? And maybe if they knew it, we wouldn't be in the dire straits we're in here today. As I think a prophet once said something about my people perish for a lack of knowledge, for a lack of their history, their traditions, right? Um, I, I wonder if that's what we're playing out in our culture today. But if you are a history geek, a pop culture geek, or a tech geek. In other words, if you're Aaron McIntyre, this is your playground, is this campus, brother. I mean, I would imagine you were a pig and slop hanging out here.
2: I, I I, you know, I hope to be. I've been pretty busy with the montage this morning, but based on everything that you just said and everything I've heard about this place so far, yeah. I I mean I would like to go trounce around a little bit out here.
0: Yeah, you would have a lot of fun around here for sure. All right, we are gonna to try to have some fun here today. We have a typical show. In fact, you know, I mean very typically. I brought my built bars with me. And, yes, man, it didn't take long for those things to melt in the 120-degree temperature. But it was a dry heat uh, in the 120-degree temperatures outside. That's all right. Just threw them in the fridge. When I got back to the hotel room last night, I just had one of them. I I mean, good as new.
1: Built Bars aren't afraid. They don't care. They are
0: not afraid of the Texas heat. No, they are not afraid. Uh, they are resilient. All right? And so I took my built Bars with me. I take them with me wherever I go because they are the greatest— protein bar of all time. And if you want to take that to the test, you want to say, I don't believe it. Many of you have, and then not all, but the vast majority of you have come back to me and said, you know what? I didn't think you were right, but you were. And then the few of you that did not, you were just wrong. So find out if you're one of the majority or one of the few that's just wrong. Uh, use my last name, DACE, as your promo code. Get 15% off when you go to built.com for Built Bar, B U I L T. Built.com for Built Bar, 15% off with the promo code DACE. So many great flavors, all of them covered in real chocolate, loaded with protein and, and not loaded, though, with the carbs, calories, and sugars that you don't want. All right, built.com, promo code DACE, 15% off. All right, coming up on the show today, looking forward to this conversation at the bottom of the hour, a guy who has really emerged on my radar as one of the more astute thinkers in the culture right now, Oran McIntyre, uh, is going to be joining us. If you are not if you are on Twitter Uh, and you're not following him, you are missing out. I am really looking forward to this conversation at the bottom of the hour with him. Uh, We will have Theology Thursday. We'll continue looking at my book, Do What You Believe, or you won't be free to believe it much longer. And then we'll have three non-political questions to close things out, and we might have a very special guest for that segment. All right, So we're working on that. All right. But before we get to all of those zany hijinks, let us begin as we normally do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were
2: away brought to you by It's okay, It's just dementia.
0: My mother drove us and rather than us be able to walk. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening? You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer.
2: Yes, Joe Biden revealed yesterday he apparently has cancer. The only other explanation for that slip of the tongue is that he has dementia, which he of course does. Biden made the comments in Massachusetts at an old coal factory where he announced he's diverting billions of dollars from FEMA to new green energy projects. Climate change is an emergency.
0: And in the coming weeks, I'm going to use the power I have as president to turn these words
3: into formal, official,
0: government
2: actions. Those green projects reportedly include subsidies for air conditioning units. Not sure how that's green, but whatever. Moving on, Fox News is reporting the federal probe into Hunter Biden's business dealings has reached a critical stage. As sources say, officials are looking into charging the younger Biden with various tax violations, foreign lobbying violations, and more. Nancy Pelosi indicated recently she's in favor of the Senate's semiconductor bill, which would result in billions of dollars of government contracts with chipmakers like Intel, Samsung, and NVIDIA. In completely unrelated news, Nancy's husband, Paul, fresh off his arrest for drunk driving, purchased $5 million of stock in NVIDIA back in June. NVIDIA stock prices are up 16% in the past five days alone, just FYI. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville Again, that's Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville was asked yesterday whether he supports so-called gay marriage, to which he replied, quote, yeah, if that's what you want to do, fine. Tuberville joins fellow GOP Senator Tom Tillis, indicating they're A-OK with undefining marriage. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer indicated yesterday as well he's willing to codify so-called gay marriage into federal law and put the Respect for Marriage Act to a vote in the Senate after the House passed it earlier this week. During a House committee meeting yesterday on gun control, which, by the way, was interrupted by the communist toothpick David Hogg himself, there was this telling exchange between Congressman Jerry Nadler and Dan Bishop. I would like to yield to anyone on the other side who would dispute that this bill bans weapons that are in common use in the United States today. Would anyone on the other side dispute that this bill would ban Weapons that are in common use in the United States today Would the gentleman James? yield I would if to the to, to, for an answer to that question. Yeah, that's the point of the bill so, so you mean you? So to clarify, Mr. Chairman, you're saying it is the point of the bill to ban weapons that are in common use in the United States today. Yes, the problem I, is, is the the use. according to the Associated Press, the U.S. military is facing quote unquote unprecedented challenges in bringing in new recruits and is cutting its expected force numbers significantly over the next two years. Groomer update: Here's a self-described non-binary teacher.
3: I just read this book to a grade one class, and one of the
0: students came out as trans. Um, staff knew she was trans and we talked to her parents last night about me coming in uh, and they'd given it the go-ahead and uh, it was such beautiful proof that kids of any age are absolutely capable of accepting anything that they are taught with love.
2: According to Chris Rufo at the Manhattan Institute, the Los Angeles Unified School District is encouraging kindergartners to experiment with so-called non-binary pronouns and is training teachers to, quote, subvert mainstream white cis-heteropatriarchy society. The revelations came from a trove of documents obtained by Rufo from the district's Human Relations, Diversity, and Equity Department. Speaking of Los Angeles, here's this. You remember this woman. This is Los Angeles County Health Director Barbara Ferrar. As you can imagine, she was the tip of the spear of the most stupid draconian COVID rules in L.A. County. She, along with a multitude of other public health directors around the country and the CDC, used a flimsy at best study on masks. To justify masking kids in school, that study was authored by a host of L.A. bureaucrats, including Barbara Ferrar and her own daughter, Caitlin Barnes. That relationship was not disclosed. To make matters even worse, neither Ferrar or Barnes are medical doctors, with the latter working in PR for the L.A. County Office of Education. L.A. County in recent days has renewed their push for mask mandates in public spaces. Here's your feel-good story of the day. A lesbian bar in Portland, Oregon shut down after just a week in business after its communist employees accused the place of being racist and transphobic. The employees had also formed a so-called workers' collective and demanded the owner of the bar relinquish ownership to them. And finally, a word from Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Bonjour tout le monde today represents a troubling
3: and sad moment in Canadian history. The volleyball team next to me uh, declined my request to uh, participate in a game. We think of Canadians as being uh, respectful
4: and generous and yet there are those who seem
3: to want to live by their own depraved values and so in order to protect the good Canadian citizens and refugees from this hatred and division, I'll be closing the beach indefinitely.
2: And that's what happened while we were away.
0: Aaron's montage brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Make sure you're ready for the next time oh, that could never happen here. Uh, ends up happening here, um, you know, like all the other times we thought growing up that could never happen here, and we've lived through recently and. It, actually happened uh, because the next time it might be the food supply. In fact, there's a lot of smart people that are predicting real food shortages by this time next year. So make sure you're prepared with a three month emergency food kit from our friends at my Patriot supply. And if you get it at prepare that's D E A C E. If you get it at prepare you'll get uh, $150 off plus free shipping. That's $150 off plus free shipping. And you'll get that for three months of emergency food, that's three square meals a day, including snacks and drinks, the full 2,000 plus calories that you and everyone in your home needs, and not to mention the peace of mind of knowing you're taken care of should it go down, and the food will stay fresh for over 20 years with proper storage. So uh, go again, right now, free delivery, $150 off when you go to preparewithdace.com. That is preparewithdace.com. All right, let's get to what is in Aaron's montage because there is... I mean, just complete clown show stuff, right? And and I know what I am supposed to do. And it, it it says, you know, in the uh, conservative media handbook, I am supposed to uh, own the libs and troll away at the various clown show stories. Uh, point out that uh, Biden saying yesterday he has cancer and today he has COVID.
2: Wait, Death? he has COVID?
0: Yes, you didn't know this? No. Yeah, breaking news. Uh, so yesterday he said, I've got cancer. Today he says he's got COVID. Tomorrow he'll tell us he's got heart inflammation and he'll hit the COVID jab trifecta. It just means it's working. So there, I checked the box. I did my troll. Uh, and I'm just supposed to sit here and do chuckle hut broadcasting in reaction to all of the various chicanery that Aaron just chronicled. But you guys know I don't care about any of that most of the time. Uh, because I I actually want to defeat this stuff. I want to defeat it. And I think if we're going to defeat it, it requires us to be confrontational. And sometimes that requires us to confront each other. We don't ever do that around here, do we? Yeah. Never happens. Okay? So let me give you a good example of how you win. And then I'll give you an example, though, of something we're not doing that in response to it was just an Aaron's montage that we need to still do. All right? Only 2% of Americans have gotten these uh, poisonous injections for their children. Now, that's still too high, okay? But I think it speaks loudly and, and boldly at the trust that has been lost by public health officials. That is good. You're acting. We're acting. We're not complying even better. You always get the tyranny and evil you're willing to comply with and we're not complying with that. That is good. And the reason why you want those numbers so low is because they only will they only will attempt to impose tyranny that they believe they can enforce. And so if 50% of Americans had gone and gotten these poisonous jabs for their children, they would have looked long and hard at a national department of education Mandate that you can't enroll in a school this fall or any preschool or anything. You've got head start at your kids' daycare, for example, anything that gets any federal funding whatsoever, you can't enlist your kid or enroll your kid there unless they have taken the poisonous jab. But since you guys said not no, but no from the very start, they can't enforce that on ninety eight percent of the people, right? Okay. So we're gonna find out. They, aren't may, we? they might they can't. They can and I know we're being, I know we're being, you know, facetious, but they can't, so they're not going to try that, all right. But if it had been, even heck, 50s too high, if 25, 30 percent of you had done it, then I still think they would have tried it. So you're showing you're ungovernable. You guys have been asking me a lot recently. What more would you like us to do? Become ungovernable to the spirit of the age. I'm ungovernable. You won't even bother. It would be like King George III sending a tax collector to Samuel Adams' native village. No one's taking that job because they know they're coming out tarred and feathered. un—they're un- The people in that community are ungovernable. So therefore, the edicts are therefore unenforceable. Become ungovernable to the spirit of the age. We will not comply. You could not enforce this if you tried. So no. But thank you. So that's a great example of doing that. What's happening in the military is another great example of this. I, I can't think for the life of me why I would recommend anybody I care about to join up and enlist in potentially risking your life for clown show foreign policy in a rainbow flag. And oh, by the way, you will be a lab rat for global conglomerates. Not exactly be-all-you-can-be, the commercials we saw as a kid, but here we are. And that's how you bring a system to its knees. Don't reward that behavior. No, we're, we're not going to enlist. The very kinds of, of young men that are most inclined to kill enemies before they kill you, they're not interested in that. So, no. No. I would like to see the enlistment numbers crater, actually. But that's another positive front noncompliance, not going to comply. Do you want to win? That's the question I'm going to ask you before I tell you what I think has to be the next level of this. Do you want to win? Do you want to win in a way that will be aggressive but peaceable so that your children and grandchildren don't have to confront this later on unpeaceably? I'm guessing if you're tuned in right now, the answer is yes. Because that's pretty much what our show is, you know, pretty much about. That and theology pretty much every day. How do we aggressively but peaceably confront this now with the window that we have? So if you answered... Hell yeah, I want to win. Okay. Get out. More people live in Los Angeles than live in the entire state of Iowa. A lot more, almost a million more. If you live in the L.A. area, who's, who's really subsidizing all of that clown show stuff that Aaron just highlighted in his montage? It ain't the homeless people taking dumps on the sidewalk. It's not the illegal aliens running fentanyl, playing drug mule, when they're not impersonating human traffickers or being one. It's you. You're doing it. Get out. Stop doing it. Get out. Get out. Move to a red state now. Get out. Over 6 million people voted for Donald Trump in California in 2020. Straight up, why do any of you still live there? What are you doing there? I mean, unless you are taking care of a loved one that you don't want to leave behind, or you have specifically been called to some form of mission evangelism, what are you doing there? I'll tell you what you're doing there. You're subsidizing Gavin Newsom. That's what you're doing. Because it's not it's not the criminals he's letting out of the prisons. They're not subsidizing it. It's not the illegal alien fentanyl drug mules who are also human traffickers. They're not subsidizing it. It's not all of the people on government jobs They're not subsidizing it. They're the subsidy. It's you who own your own business or work for a private industry and aren't a criminal. You're subsidizing that regime. Get out. Get out of there. Why are you working for them? Why fund that? There is no reasonable expectation, none on the horizon that you can point to, that you have any hope whatsoever of even turning that state purple, let alone red, for the foreseeable future. You're not a subject, you're not a vassal in a vast, mercantile, feudalistic Empire, and you couldn't possibly leave. You're a free person. You're not paying tribute. You're voluntarily subsidizing this. Why? Why voluntarily subsidize it? That one I don't understand. So get out. Force these societies to understand what the laws of sowing and reaping really mean. Stop propping them up so they can just then put you down. Get out. Move to a red state. Fortify. All the more. Make it redder. Get out. Well, Steve, I'm not sure that, you know, even red states have problems. I don't know. Of course they do. I mean, we're human. But if you really don't think there's a better a better quality of life in any borderline red state than what exists right now in California, then I I don't know we're not we're just not on the same page. Get out. You want to know what would make some of those soft red states redder? Six million Donald Trump voters getting the hell out of California and moving there. That would do it. Get out. What are you doing there? Why would you just stay in your homes when you were locked down? I'm, my governor's got me in my house, Steve, with my guns. Remember all those emails we got? I'm like, what are you doing there? What do you mean you, your governor has you in the house? I mean, is he outside the door? I mean, is, the, is there a tank? A bazooka pointed at your door? You can't leave? Is there a force field, an invisible fence like you're a dog? What do you mean you can't go anywhere? I don't understand. I also don't understand. Just staying there and subsidizing your enemy. Why? Get out. Todd and Aaron, your thoughts.
1: I don't know. Aren't you being a little hard on these folks? I mean, it's not as if the people who just a couple minutes ago had coexist bumper stickers on their car are now trying to shut down the lesbian bars and running uh, a black comedian out of town. It hasn't gotten that bad yet, Steve. I mean, take a deep breath.
0: Indeed.
2: Yeah, the uh, L.A. County Director of Health or Public Health Director, whatever her name was i remember her face distinctly because like a number of other public health directors in especially blue states and blue cities uh the artist formerly known as uh, richard levine was one of them they don't exactly look like the paragon of health themselves why would you ever subject yourselves to living under their rule that's what that's what so many people have have done both willingly and um you know uh letting yourself be coerced why would you why would you ever do that and of course there's uh, as you said Steve the, you know red states are are not perfect either
0: All right we had the but Tommy Tuberville from one of the red states in the union
2: yeah I, I don't know what you i don't know what you do with that though I, you have about I,
0: 6 million Donald Trump voters in California move to Alabama and say uh Tommy Tuberville better come correct yeah that's what you do
2: no that's 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 what you do and at this point as well you know don't become like the baby who has you know uh, soiled their diaper not that you did this to you not that you did this to the, yourself but just becoming so completely well, i guess this is the way it is now i'm just going to sit in in uh, other people's feces uh, that's basically what you're doing and literally if you live in San Francisco or Los Angeles to some degree because these people th- these places aren't changing anytime soon they tell you they don't plan to change anytime soon. Gavin Newsom runs ads in Florida saying, hey, come to California. We're the paragon of freedom. You can't debate people like that. You can't share a country with people like that. And you certainly can't be in states and and uh, municipalities that are run by people like that. Not in the long term, anyway.
0: I mean, I know moving sucks, man. I hate it. I've done it a ton. I've probably moved like, I don't know, man. 15 20 times in my life. I know it sucks. I know it does. You know what sucks worse than moving? Being governed by Gavin Newsom. Being governed by Pritzker in Illinois, the picture of health. There's there's no realistic, at least if you're in a Pennsylvania, there's a realistic expectation that you could move things to the right. There is no realistic expectation in Illinois. The Republicans in Illinois, most of them are more liberal than the, 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 the Democrats in Texas. There's no realistic expectation in New York State. There's no realistic expectation in California. I mean, I've got friends that live in all these places. Some of them come on this show. So I'm not saying anything I've not just said directly to them. I say to Daniel Horowitz all the time, "Get the hell out of Maryland. What are you doing there? Get out." I kind of, I kind of, I kind of like the idea of Daniel Horowitz haunting Tommy Tuberville as a fellow Alabaman more than writing columns from Maryland. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Lev- location matters. Move where the food is. We're not victims. We can move to places where we can fortify our ranks. We can make red states redder, pink states red. We can do this. There's strength in numbers. And there's a lot better chance you're going to do that than turn your deep blue nihilistic state even a mild shade of purple. There are not a lot of opportunities these days to do business or not do business with people who absolutely hate you, which is why when that opportunity presents itself, make sure to take full advantage of it. And thankfully, one of the places that it rarely does happens to be with a product we all pretty much have to use in modern American society, our mobile phones. Go to our friends at Patriot Mobile. They use all the same towers everybody else does because everybody uses pretty much the same towers. So with limited exception, if you're living like in a remote area, you won't likely sacrifice any coverage at all and you don't have to give your money directly to people who would gladly sacrifice you. Okay. So if you want to take advantage of all of their special offers, let them know when you're if you're a veteran or a first responder, when you go to make the switch, let them know that. They'll give you extra savings as a way of saying thank you for your service for the rest of us. You can get a free activation right now when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at nine seven two. Patriot Again, that is 972 Patriot. And I get it. Our family put off making the switch for several years because, well, we were lazy. And we thought it would be a major hassle. They did a phenomenal job uh, helping us. And then I thought, you know, like Aaron Rodgers and the State Farm commercials, that maybe I just got the Blaze TV host discount on the customer service. But I've heard from several of you that had similar situations where they went to the extra mile for you guys as well. So make the switch today, patriotmobile.com slash Steve or 972 Patriot. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation because this is a guy who has uh, appeared more and more on my radar as a guy who definitely knows what time it is. But even more importantly, that's rare these days, but even more importantly, what needs to be done about it. Oran McIntyre is here with us. We want to welcome him for the first time here to Blaze TV. Oran, my name is Steve Dace. It is a pleasure to have you with us, brother. How are you?
3: Doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me so much.
0: You bet. Give us a little bit about your background, man. Where'd you come from?
3: Uh, Sure. I was somebody who, you know, kind of studied politics, worked a little bit in in politics, and then I kind of fell backwards into local political journalism, Uh, spent some time uh, reporting on uh, crime and and politics kind of in my area. I eventually worked my way out of journalism, but as I kind of looked at what was going on, Uh, especially in politics, I felt like things weren't working the way that they had been described to me, especially when you looked at kind of the things around Trump and and the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. And so I started kind of learning more uh, about different political theory, and that's how I ended up doing uh, the Twitter and YouTube and all the stuff I'm doing today. You
0: use a phrase frequently that has subconsciously seeped into my own lexicon, so I want to make sure I give you uh, original credit for it. You use a phrase, the total state. What does that mean?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at our... Uh, our government, we more and more see the intrusion in our whole culture of this ideology. Uh, This political ideology is involved in everything. It's involved in our sports, it's involved in our movies, it's involved in our hobbies, it's involved in every aspect of our society. And if we were looking at a more totalitarian state, a more formally totalitarian state like Nazi Germany or uh, Soviet Russia, we would immediately understand this thing, this idea of the total state, right? Because there's formal organs of propaganda that ensure, like a Politburo or a minister Mm -hmm. of propaganda, that make sure this stuff is everywhere in our society. Mm -hmm. But we see this in our own society in America now, and many people don't understand what's going on with it. And so I kind of always refer to that idea as the total state.
0: I think that's something you know. I'm I'm going to be 49 here in a week, and my generation. and I'm just looking at you. I hope you hope you don't mind. I'm profiling you. I think we're <laughs> probably both Gen Xers, I would guess. Um, and we were the last generation. We 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 were on the tail end of still being able to sing Silent Night at a public school Christmas program. Right? We were yeah. on the we were on the tail end of at the little league ballpark. No one had a clue who voted for. Michael Dukakis, and who voted for George H.W. Bush. It just did not come up, and no one would even think about bringing it up, right? It was just, you know, we were probably the last kids to grow up in an American society that it wasn't contemplated, if not assumed. Everything had to be politicized at all times. And I think of, you know, the era that our kids are growing up in now, or millennials or Gen Zers. They can't contemplate a society where everything is not completely politicized this is what you mean by the total state right
3: Absolutely. In the total state, it's your duty to constantly signal your allegiance to the state, right? And this is what we see, especially when it comes to the educational system and what's happening with kids right now. It's important for the regime to get to them as young as possible and indoctrinate them as thoroughly as possible and make sure that if their parents aren't parroting back these state ideologies at every moment there's possible legal or social or employment ramifications around every corner. And so we have basically these tiny little pull bureaus, these commissars installed in every corporation, every educational institution called HR managers, right? And it's literally their job to make sure that at no time anyone involved in those organizations makes a statement against kind of the ruling party. And so that we, even though we do not have a formal technical Uh, hard totalitarianism, we see many of the same elements emerging even across kind of this public-private distinction that we like to pretend in America kind of protects us from this phenomenon. Mm -hmm. The first time I
0: began to see kind of mustard seeds of what you're talking about was during the Occupy Wall Street era, which was about a decade or so ago. And I did a debate with an occupier, I think it was in Wichita or somewhere in Kansas, and I was fascinated. I came away very fascinated with that debate, Oran, because I actually agreed with almost all of his criticisms. Remove the labels. I mean, I, I would argue he is mis- he was misappropriating the term capitalism and conflating it with corporatism. Okay, but if you get rid of that, though, you know, and and just look at the practical application of of, of his laments and what he was asserting, I actually found myself agreeing with many of his complaints. It was his yeah, solutions this- that were the issue. I mean, he, he wanted to further empower the very state that had imposed the policies that had led to the iniquities that he was complaining about. He wanted to give it even more power, even more authority, that somehow this time the state that had already failed him would figure it out and get it right this time. And, and now we see this with corporations in general. They're not even at odds any longer. With, with, with the, what you call the total state, they're a part of it. And that's how the Occupy Wall Street goes from 10 years ago protesting these corporations to now every June they stand together in solidarity for quote unquote Pride Month, waving all the same symbols that are approved by the state to each show their own compliance. I think that's a, that's a version of the evolution you're talking about.
3: Yeah, the radical left didn't actually oppose the goals of the system. They simply wanted to accelerate them faster than the system was comfortable going. They Mm -hmm. wanted to – the radical left – things happen now as where the charge understood to boil the frog slowly. So that's why we see so many radical leftists line up now with corporations and government offices and all the people that they pretended that they used to hate. Because they have the same social goals. They want to see the same thing. They want to see the the destruction of uh, parental rights. They want to see the consolidation of power into these mass organizations. They just want to see it happen quicker. They want the promises of the revolution to happen right now. And so that's why they cast themselves in opposition to these powerful entities, even though they actually agreed with them in almost every way. is This is how we've seen in
0: the last year, the New York Times has gone from being the newspaper of record against corporate greed to literally just ripping and reading and cutting and pasting press releases from big pharma corporations and calling them news stories and just putting them in, in, in news stories as headlines and, and their claims without any critique or any skepticism whatsoever. Uh, people who are like, corporations are terrible, greedy, and they're polluters, but I will let them completely and totally inject me as many times as they want with a magic potion substance, and I'll actually hate you for suing uh, to uh, reveal the documents of what's actually in the substance. I just want to take it, Sight unseen, as many times as I possibly can, that level of just slavish cultic compliance—is that what you're talking about?
3: Absolutely. There's uh, this conservative thinker that a lot of people have forgotten about, James Burnham. He was one of the founders of the National Review, but for some reason he's been largely forgotten. And he wrote a book called The Managerial Revolution. And what he explained was that. In uh, in the 20th century, we had obviously three big ideologies: fascism, communism, and kind of a liberal democracy arise. But all of these, including liberal democracy, were part of this managerial revolution. Mm. It was this idea that everything needed to be systematized. Science, you know, science needed to control every aspect of our lives. Everything could be micromanaged, and we needed larger and more powerful bureaucracies. In every aspect of our society to kind of achieve these goals. And so even though inside the United States, we've had a number of different groups kind of try to oppose this bureaucracy in certain ways because they always had basically the same goals as that bureaucracy. They only ended up accelerating that stuff. So again, that's why you see people like the New York times. This is why you see occupy wall street have these positions. This is why you have a band called rage against the machine who has all the same opinions as the CIA, right? right? Because they have the same, charges 300 bucks a ticket and
0: you have to show your jab card to get into the concert. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Can you share a country? If you believe in any form of traditional Americana, God-given rights, limited government, etc., can you share possibly share a country with what you just described?
3: Well, no, and, and there's a problem that we have, and it's fundamentally both on the right and the left. It's that everyone has embraced these managerial solutions, right? This is why the GOP is also really inept at battling against this because- We're just they battling largely... over the man-
0: who the managers need to be, right? Is that exactly. what you're saying?
3: Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and so what we have is a fundamental problem with the system, and that's a much harder thing to deal with, right? Instead of just trying to switch out what justification the managers use for their power, we need to understand that it is the system itself that yes. is a problem. And that is a much harder uh, climb for people to kind of accept.
0: I think a great example of that is from the dawn of COVID. I just was immediately suspicious of their claims. I would read their, their studies. As someone who has a background in data and data analytics, their, their studies were incongruent on multiple levels. There's no way that was sound science. And, and yet I saw a lot of my big name peers bringing uh, Anthony Fauci, Scott Gottlieb uh, onto their shows Assuring us that uh, this w- these were the right policies and the right moves. Why? Because those were their managers. They were the managers that were anointed by their side. And so clearly their side would know what to do with the ring of power. As I'm more of a throw that thing into the fires of Mordor kind of guy.
3: Well, and, and I think that itself is also a difficult problem for the right because while it's very tempting and I totally understand that impulse, the truth is that in some way state power will always be wielded. Right. And so the, simply going with I just want to destroy it, I just want to be left alone is also a very tempting and understandable but serious, I think, mistake by the right because if you're not in power keeping these people from taking control, they will do so, right? And so you never completely remove that. But I think there is a possibility where we can build more regional structures, right? That, that is a large amount of what America was supposed to be about, was about federalism, was about creating local and community uh, expectations and norms. And so that if one state says, we don't want to participate in this, they have that option. But of course, the way our government operates now the 10th Amendment hasn't really existed in a very long time. We don't really operate in a federal system at all at this point. We still have a few remnants that help maybe states like Florida protect themselves in a way that other countries didn't didn't allow regions to do. But in general, we do not have that different regional autonomy that would allow people to kind of protect themselves from that centralized government power. So I don't know if it's all about throwing the ring into Mount Doom, but understanding that what we have is a, is a... A system that is kind of corrupt from from the bottom from the bottom to the top, and that there's a fundamental restructuring that has to happen if we're going to kind of escape this, you know, this this kind of stuff that gets forced down through the federal government it, with things like COVID.
0: Or on how can people follow your work?
3: Uh, well, I've got a YouTube channel, uh, Oran McIntyre. I've also got a Substack called The Total State. Uh, I post articles there. I kind of put. Uh, different podcast things and then I'm also uh, serializing a book I'm working on there uh, so those are the two best places to find me and then of course Twitter or McIntyre as well
0: I mean I'm impressed uh, phenomenal work I'm not impressed very often frankly these days to be brutally honest with you okay so but I have been very impressed with what I have seen and uh, we definitely want to have you back it was good to connect with you brother right God bless
3: absolutely thank you so much I appreciate it
0: you bet that's uh, Oran McIntyre uh, this portion of the show Brought to you by our friends over at Public SQ. You know, one of the keys in taking back, restoring the republic uh, is building a parallel economy. One of the key things we can do is you know, Kind of a Rosetta Stone of where to go uh, if and, and really anywhere in the country when we're traveling somewhere uh, to, to do business with people that share our values whenever that is absolutely possible. And now there is a trusty and handy little app that will help you do exactly that, Public SQ or Public Square. You can download it today uh, in the Apple Store or your Google Play Store for your Android phone. Uh, and they've now expanded to all fifty states, and you can also potentially list your own business uh, in that directory for free as well. So get the app today, Public Sq. Download the app today for Public Square, Public Sq. Let's get some reaction to the conversation we just had with Oran McIntyre, gentlemen. What'd you think?
2: Well, first of all, um, people get Oran and myself confused, and I'm perfectly fine with that because I get the better better end of that bargain <laughs> of uh, being confused because that dude really knows his stuff. Second of all, you've heard me say multiple times, multiple times, it's a mano-a-mano <clears throat> game. A steel cage match. A zero-sum game. There's only going to be one winner and one loser when it comes to the spirit of the age and the battle for what's left of America. Oran, I think, gets that, especially with the uh, with the distinction he drew, he drew with the Lord of the Rings throwing the ring into the Fires of Mount Doom reference, You either wield power or it will be wielded against you because east of Eden, there is no throwing the ring of power into Mount Doom. Now, when Christ returns, when Christ returns, all the power goes to him and we don't have to worry about feeble human nature anymore. But east of Eden, you have to wield power. God help you. God help us as well as we possibly can, as equitably as we possibly can, but for righteousness. Because what's happening right now is that power is being wielded, but it's for being wielded for unrighteousness. Explicitly for unrighteousness. You saw the groomer teacher in the montage today. That is unrighteous. She has power as a teacher. She is wielding that power unrighteously. That's just a granular look at what, at what we're talking about. You wield power righteously, or it will be wielded against you unrighteously.
1: I think the matrix is the appropriate analogy. If you showed that segment, we just did. To every American, they had to sit down and watch it. The simple fact of the matter is at every level, rich, poor, institution, whatever, uh, the, you wouldn't have Trinity, you wouldn't have Morpheus, you wouldn't have Neo. You would have Cypher. They just want the foggy dream <laughs> of comfort. Nice. And they would take that blue pill. <clears throat> That's the problem.
0: That is very well said. All right, we'll come back, hour two, and we'll get into Theology Thursday. Three non political questions with maybe a very special guest. All right. More to come here in a moment from Dallas on Blaze TV. All right. We're back here with our two live and on demand and on location here at uh, the posh Blaze TV studios here. In Dallas, Steve Dace I brought the crew with me this time. Todd Erzin is here with me, as well as Aaron McIntyre. And, uh, of course, uh, if you want to let us know what you think about what we think, you can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, TikTok, and also Instagram. And then you can also uh, get clips of the show that are free to watch and free of any censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. I'm up on Trump's Truth Social as well, although our Truth Social page, it's at real Steve Dace there. It has not grown at all. I may be, am I the only person in America that is shadow banned by both big tech and Trump's Truth Social? Is that possible? badge of honor uh, maybe it maybe that maybe some people would consider that to be an accomplishment i don't know but it's it's pretty clear their algorithm hates me over there uh too but you can follow me at real steve Dace of that is your social media platform of preference uh on your social media platform of preference if you've yet to do this please leave us a five-star review uh, and if you've got a question that you'd like to have considered for a future Ask Me Anything, include that in your five star review and you'll go to the front of the line for consideration for it to be answered on air at our next Ask Me Anything. Thanks to all of you that have already uh, given us five star reviews. So many of you have. You can hit subscribe or follow as well. Uh, we continue to soar in podcast ratings. I saw yesterday we are top 100 overall on iHeart. Uh, and that kind of we've come full circle here. I mean that's where I came from. Uh, the uh, my original talk radio station News Radio 1040 WHO one of the more uh renowned local radio stations and well it was Clear Channel back then but the iHeart family and now we're amongst the top 100 overall podcast right there with Joel Osteen and some of those folks on iHeart Radio Todd your thoughts. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> not even making that up. Aaron and I were going through the uh we were going through those ratings on the plane ride down here yesterday, and uh, we were like, oh, wow, we're kind of right next to Joel Osteen. So there you go. You, We get so
1: many emails. And, I, you know, when I go through various
0: segments and I have
1: to pick the questions, to this day, the people, because we get new viewers all the time. Right, What's with the Joel Osteen game over your shoulder yes. on our normal set? So when you threw that out there, do you know how many people you just confuse the hell out of right now? Because they think we're, at, we're smiling we're up there Joel, with Joel advocates. Joel
0: yeah, yeah. That was a. I I love the fact that it triggers people because that's why it's there. Right, it's not there today because we're not in our normal studio, but uh, it is there to trigger you. It is a, It was a housewarming gift. We moved into the new studios here. Uh, our new studio where we are in Des Moines anyway. Uh, it was a housewarming gift from a, a, an evangelist friend of mine by the name of Todd Friel, who hosts a fantastic. Uh, christian uh, podcast uh, show called uh, wretched it's fantastic and if Todd had were in a more general broadcasting arena uh, I mean he would be huge he has a tremendous gift and uh and so that was his snotty housewarming gift it was funny I was watching a YouTube review of the top 11 christian youtubers and just how theologically precise they are And Friel's channel is one of the top 11. They had mostly nice things to say about him. The criticism was, though, we fear that Todd needlessly looks to provoke people. And I'm like, well, that's why we're buds. That's because that's what we look to do. Needlessly look to provoke people. But that was our housewarming gift when we uh, started the show there uh, for then CRTV and now The Blaze in Des Moines. And you'll recall we played that game on our very first show. Do you remember that? I remember yeah. it, that. Yeah. and that's why I tried wasn't to sure with,
1: it. when we were going to have a second show.
0: Yeah, that game is every bit as heretical and damnable as you think it is. Is it your wonder words? Your wonder words. Yeah, that's what Joel yeah. wants you to accumulate, as many of your wonder words as you possibly can. Isn't that what it is? Yep. Yeah. So that is why that is there. But yeah, we're, we're, we're like right next to Joel Osteen on the iHeart Podcast ratings. So Is that
1: like the... Wilford Brimley line of podcast analysis. You know, when I should you have been I a are, farmer. You and I are getting pretty close. I think it's 51 or 52, the age he was when he made yes. the cocoon. Yeah, we're
0: almost at that Wilford Brimley age. Yes. Yeah,
1: so this is this is the uh, Joel Osteen line.
0: Yeah, it's uh, one of these things is not like the other, I guess I will say. All right, coming up here at the bottom of the hour, three non political questions. And I think we're going to have a very special guest. And he, he will be very uncomfortable. I can promise you because this is not what he is used to being involved in and commenting on. So we are, we are looking forward to that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. But let's get to Theology Thursday, brought to you by Eden Pure, the air filtration system that stands up against my sweaty teenage son coming home from football practice, as well as a bunch of sweaty middle-aged men playing poker in my basement. All right, So if it can stand up to those two things, it can stand up to whatever's going on in your home, unless you live in a toxic waste dump. So you, you don't have to change filters. It's a filterless process, so you're not going to be spending money forever uh, on new filters that you've got to trade out. I could explain how the proprietary uh, proprietary technology works for filterless air purifiers, but I can't. Um, I asked. They gave me a very detailed answer that was beyond my comprehension. So I just decided, you know, I'm going to try the product and just go with that. And it absolutely does work to freshen the air in your home so if you want to try today they come the packets come in units of three and you can get so you can put them in multiple rooms in your house all right you can save 200 bucks to get three units for under 200 bucks and free shipping if you go to edenpuredeals.com and use the discount code Steve 3 for packs of three so the promo code Steve three at edenpuredeals.com let's get to theology Thursday as we continue to look at my most recent book. Do what you believe, or you won't be free to believe it much longer. And this week, Todd, we're looking at the uh, chapter on the parable of the parachute. And it's only fitting, since you're the one that came up with the the studied questions at the end of every chapter, that you should ask the questions here during the study on the show.
1: Well, you are going to have to uh, reverse engineer uh, describing what the parable is, in fact, is by answering this first question. For those with ears to hear, let them hear. Steve, what is the airplane? What is the parachute? Who is the CEO?
0: Who is on the board? What is gravity? So you want me to explain the entire, everything. The the entirety of the metaphor is what you want me to do, which is fine. Well, it's your chapter. the, The most important thing to explain, the two most important things to explain are what gravity is and what the parachute itself is. And if you know what those two things are, then everything else will will fit. Okay. Gravity is the constant. Gravity is is an gravity is one of the ultimate truths of existence. And what do I mean by an ultimate truth? Something that is unpersuadable, unbendable, unchangeable. It preexists your notion of existence. And therefore, it will outlive your actual existence at the exact same time. It is a universal constant. Self-evident, perhaps? It could also be viewed as self-evident. And I, I remember I spoke at a high school in central Iowa several years ago. And um, I was asked to speak there by a teacher who had left the local Christian school to go teach in the government school because he thought he might have more cultural impact there. And as I was walking in to do the talk at the high school, he pulled me aside and said, I just need to make one I need to I hate to ask you this at the last minute, but I, I need to make one request. Okay. And he said, Not to not for you to make a specific appeal of the gospel in your talk, or I'm gonna be out of a job. And I, I thought about whether I should just do it anyway. Um and I I came, I, I almost did I almost did it anyway. But then I decided, you know, I think there's actually a step that has to be taken here before they will reach for the parachute. Because the parachute in the parable, if you read the book, uh, the, par- the, the parachute in the parable is the gospel. That's what the parachute is, okay? The ability to navigate the realities of gravity, it, you don't you can't get around gravity you can get through it. You can navigate through it with the parachute. The parachute does not help you to defy gravity. It helps you to to persevere through it. And it was a it was a day early March and if you know you live in the Midwest, early March it could be like 75 one day and like 25 the next, right? And everything is still kind of melting from the winter and it's kind of that grimy kind of you know, the salt has been building up on the roads and in the snow and everything's melting and it's kind of like ugly brown slush color and it's just kind of bleh, right? And so the this entire high school, and it's one of the larger high schools in the state, this entire high school is assembled. And I decide I want to introduce them to the concept that they need a gospel. That there is a there is a slate of truths out there that they've not been exposed to but they are true despite the fact they've not yet been been exposed to them. They're constants, and so I give it was, This was actually one of the briefer talks I ever gave, which for me is saying something. Uh, and I I said, hey, I want to I want to ask a question. How many of you would like it to be eighty degrees and sunny right now? And of course. Except for, you know, we've all been that kid in high school, the kids that were too cool to raise their hand. Everybody else raised rose their hands, of course. They wanted it to be 80 degrees and sunny. They were wintered out. And I looked at this class, or this whole school, and I said, it, it doesn't matter, tough break. Because the weather was here before you got here. And the weather will be here long after you're gone. And you can go outside and say sun's up, sun's out, gun's out. You can go outside... Um, you know, with your short shorts and pretend and act as if you're the one making the call here. You're the one in charge and behave as if it is 80 degrees and sunny outside. But you will face the consequences for that. You will increase the likelihood you'll get sick because you're underdressed and several other realities that come from ignoring reality. The weather isn't going to change for you. You change for it. And I went on and made several other examples of that sort of assertion of absolute truth from there. I got an email from that teacher like a week later telling me he could not believe the conversations that had been ongoing amongst the kids in that school since that presentation. That no one had ever suggested to them that there anything other than a unique precious snowflake and if somehow they were to melt away, then the world would just truly be lost without them. And of course, I believe in the great worth of, of human dignity and value because it's created in the image of God. But I also believe that if, you know, if I step outside Blaze Studios here today and I get hit by a van, you know, people will be sad for a bit, and then people will be like, "Well, who's doing noon to two on Blaze TV?" World will move on. Right? It's not about me. And that that introductory conversation to the idea of absolute truth that you have to submit to and conform to, he could see was 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 a gateway to the future conversations with that generation we want to have. And so that's why I wrote this parable the way that I did with that presentation from many years ago in mind, so that you could present something to your family members, the people in your uh, sphere of influence that you care about, uh, friends and family who believe in this nihilistic spirit of the age, that they have their own truth. No, you don't. I mean, this, are... this
1: is a perfect segue into question. Uh, then And I hope yeah. it's part of the conversations they had. Why does today's world so frequently frequently reject the parachute, the gospel? If gravity obviously isn't optional or particularly complicated to realize or understand but easy to reject nonetheless, what does that say about truth?
0: That we live in a truthless society. We, we live in a society where, oh, I believe in science, as if science is truth. No, science is an observation of truth, and then a confirmation of its truthful applications. Science isn't truth in and of itself. Someone sent me an email yesterday. I think her name was Anna. They gave the guy uh, like the Nobel Prize who came up with lobotomies. I'll do I'll do you another one. Uh, there was a scientist who was trying to figure out why childbirth was the leading cause of death for women for centuries. And he decided to try something radical one day, and that was um, rigorous hand-washing before he placed his hands inside the womb of a woman and delivered a new child. and he saw the rates he saw the rates of natal death plummet in 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 his own practice because of this. When he tried to export this, semmelweis was his name by the way when he when he tried to convince his scientific peers that you know hey washing our hands of, and keep in mind, this is 19th century. You know, we're talking pre-sanitation, pre-indoor plumbing, uh, the things we take for granted here in the early part of the 21st century. If we just would start, you know, regularly washing our hands before touching um, the insides of people, we would prevent the spread of infection. Uh, they thought he was nuts. They thought he was insane. Eventually, some of his closest associates convinced him that gaslighted him to the point that he voluntarily. Uh, put himself in a sanitarium. and But then while he was there, they, they I mean, they did electric shock, straight jackets, everything. And I believe he ended up dying in there or dying soon after getting out of there. And he had only come up with one of the most important scientific discoveries. But that's the key word, discovery. Why is that the key word? Because that was already there. That knowledge was already there. It was built into the code. Gravity existed before the apple fell on Newton's head. He discovered gravity. He didn't create it. He didn't conjure it. He didn't science the bleep out of it and gravity is what was created. No. He recognized this constant, this truth was there, and then helped us to truthfully harness it, and another word for apply it. That's that's how that's how you do science in a culture that believes in truth as a constant. How you do science in a culture that doesn't is what's gone on for the last twenty eight months. This, where I give us, I, I, I tested positive for COVID, but I want to thank my vaccine that failed me because if I had not taken it, then I'd be looking at a serious infection. When all the data shows us, pretty much everywhere you look in the world right now. The vast overwhelming majority of people that are suffering serious infections still from COVID are the jabbed. And as I've made the analogy before, it's like saying, I I want to thank my birth control. I know I tested positive and I'm pregnant, but if I'd not taken this birth control, I'd be having triplets. Why do you do that? You do it for the same reason that in the past, misguided Christians have created inquisitions, you were afraid of challenges to your religion. You didn't think your religion could stand up to challenges. So you created a, a, a paradigm where it couldn't be challenged. This is your religion. You're doing the same thing. You're the people that lock Galileo up now. You do it. Because it's your religion. When Oran McIntyre was talking about the total state last hour, that's what we're talking about. He has put a modern and very clever connotation on the classic line from Chesterton. We have cited on the show many times. Once the government removes the God, that government will become the God.
1: So this dovetails perfectly with number three. What changes can or should be made to the board, i.e. the church, Mm -hmm. so that it is more than just an easily ignored remnant of what it once was? Who has authority to make those
0: changes? This is a tough question for me to answer because it's going to offend a lot of people, but I I think you need to be offended, so I'm going to do it. We need more men in the pulpit. Men. Not males. Men. There must be more men in our pulpits. The natural state of manhood is to be so comfortable with confrontation that, frankly, we need feminine complementarianism to rein that in. Otherwise, it goes out of control,
1: right? So, exactly the opposite of what we have now. And that
0: is the opposite of what we have now. What we have now are churches that specialize in emotional experiences and sensory overload because that, appear- that appeals, for the most part, to a, a feminine mindset— And since the men want to appeal also to the feminine mindset, they just go along with it. But they're not being stirred or convicted to action at all, to confrontation at all. The greatest heresy in the church today is the doctrine of non-confrontation because that is what inhabits the vast majority of churches that still preach some form of biblical orthodoxy. But then they will do it in a way, they will do it in a way that presents the gospel as if it is non-threatening or it is only rewarding. And I'm not even talking about Joel Osteen prosperity gospel stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm counting on the fact most of you in this audience are smart enough to know that's a heresy or at least smart enough to know that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people you do respect, the churches you do go to, and they will David French you. The one area the one time they may actually practice confrontation is when they confront you for wanting to confront what is going on that there, there there could be drag queen story time hour at a library literally a block away from your Sunday services and your church would not say a word about it as children are brought in there to be to be soul soulless assaulted and poisoned emotionally and mentally they won't say a word. Hell, they might do the Drag Queen story time Hour. They'll do it in your parking lot. Wouldn't say a word. Maybe they still wouldn't say a word if they did it in the lobby, in the foyer. I don't know if they'd say a word if they did it, you know, if they did it quietly in the corner of the sanctuary while the sermon was going on. We cannot confront the culture. We just confront the people that want to confront the evil. We David French you. And the people that want to confront the evil, you're the ones making it worse. You're the bad guys. The vast majority of America's ministers are David French. They are not Spurgeon. They are not D.L. Moody. They're not Billy Graham, man, pointing his finger with a deep voice, hour of decision on a radio in 1950.
1: Archbishop Fulton Sheen for the Catholics out there. There you go.
0: They're not. The vast majority of them— the vast majority of the men in our pulpits are Mike Pence and not Ron DeSantis from a persona standpoint. The khakis are pleated, the sweater vest wrinkle wrinkleless. They've learned how to bounce their eyes when a smoke show walks in. And not a sour word escapes their lips. And none of those things, by the way, are necessarily bad. Jesus says to the, to the religious leaders, you tithe on every ounce of dill and cumin and spice. You should have done those things. They're not bad. You, you were right to try to keep the letter of the law, but you did it at the expense of the spirit of the law. You rejected mercy, grace, sacrifice. That is what is going on in our pulpits.
1: The hierarchy of truth is broken.
0: Yes, nice has now replaced, masculinity is defined by niceness not by righteousness and niceness is therefore righteousness i mean listen most of the time if you are a righteous person you will be kind but then you will know when the time comes to not be like little lucy when she asks mr beaver on her way to see aslan the lion for the first time is aslan safe and little, and mr beaver says oh no my dear he is a roaring lion he is not safe But he is good. Do your dad, I have a question to ask you. When your children disrespect their mama, are they afraid of you? And then likewise, when your children are are threatened outside the home, are you who they call for help, for backup? If the answer was no... To one of those questions, you're you're in trouble, bro. And if the answer was yes to both of those questions, well done. Good and faithful servant. So let me ask another question. Do you go to church with a pastor that if you were cornered by this world, you would call to have your back? No? Then don't go to church there anymore.
1: Four, and I think you will want to def- define airplanes here to make sense of this. Do some airplanes give pilots a false sense of security? Are they advertised?
0: Oh, great question.
1: As being too safe. Yeah. Are our pilot schools doing a terrible job?
0: In in the early '90s in the UK, uh, the UK was one of the first Western countries to do a mass condom program for the students as part of their sex ed curriculum. Yeah, because they wanted to cut down on the amount. They had a unwed pregnancy pand- epidemic in the UK in the 90s. And so they just, I mean, literally gave every high school kid condoms. I mean, like, anytime you wanted. And the sure enough, the unwed pregnancy rate in the UK amongst the youth plummeted. It did. It did. Um, and then the STD rate skyrocketed. Because they thought they could fashion something that, that could get around the true dilemma here and just do a proper form of behavior modification. And one of the reasons, by the way, that they saw STDs skyrocket amongst the youth is they stopped having vaginal sex and they started just even amongst the heterosexual kids having a lot of anal sex because they didn't have to worry about getting pregnant. Well, that's that's a trash removal system. It's a filtration system God put in your body. It's not meant for it's meant for deletion, not insertion. Okay, so STDs began to skyrocket because they thought they had they had they had out outwitted their own nature. They thought they had created something, Todd, that was that could make. The behavior, instead of addressing what is it other than just hormones, but what else is it? I mean, we know that kids who have dads in the home who are active are much more, much less likely to be sexually active at 15 or 16 as kids that don't, right? The kids that are not sexually active at 15 or 16 because dad is in the home, does that mean that their hormones aren't there? No. Does that mean their desires aren't there? No. Does that mean that they, in fact, they've got it so under control, I can wear, I'm a guy, I can wear sweats to high school every single day and never worry about, you know, pop goes the weasel. Of course, that's not what it means.
1: It means it's more likely they heard about the parachute before. That's right.
0: That's exactly right. It's more likely they understand, they were taught that there are a, there's a time and a season for those urges to be let out. And when those time and seasons come, by all means, let them out and enjoy them in full. But short of those times and seasons, those urges can be destructive. What we have created with modern conveniences in society is this notion that, that any of your urges can be good with certain technocratic solutions, uh, certain technocratic conveniences, and we don't ever address the soul, which is the real reason we're having these conversations to begin with.
1: And the last question, which is pretty funny considering the last three to five years— what are some plane crashes you've witnessed that not too long ago you thought to be impossible?
0: I I remember during the early days of the gay marriage debate, and I would make the case that you guys were actually on your side of the debate. You guys were really talking about the eradication of gender. You're really saying that men are not men, women are not women, and therefore it is not natural for them to have affections and attractions to one another. And they would greatly balk at that. And And now they don't. I, I, Dude, I remember in 2020, you know, when I discovered a treasure trove of studies going back 100 years to the Spanish flu that showed masks don't work. I mean, I I really thought this was going to be like a golden parachute and there would be, pardon the pun, legions of people, pardon the pun again, who were going to be anxious to get this knowledge so that they could take those forsaken things off their faces.
1: No, they found the blue pill.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I just... I, I did not think we would so quickly de, uh, or so quickly accelerate into a truthless society on a systemic level, and here we are. We're post argument. We are post argument. That's one of your best observations. We are we are now living in the in in the time where if you grew up listening to Glenn or Rush, and they would say, you know. Years from now, this is what they really think and what they really mean when they claim this stuff and where this will go if we don't stop it now. That's where we are now. We we live now in those times. We're, we're a culture of plane crashes because we don't want to believe in things like gravity. We we And therefore, if we don't believe in things like gravity, you'll never seek the parachute. You'll just believe in yourself and keep jumping out of the plane. Right? Yeah. And how's that end every time? Splat. Splat. All right, when we come back, three non-political questions and we may have a very special guest who will be very uncomfortable with this when we return. You never know as you carouse throughout the, uh, the vast compound here known as Blaze TV Studios. You never know what or whom you will run into. And we ran into this guy. That's right. There he is. The one and only Daniel Horowitz is here with us in person. It is good to see you, brother. How are you? Hey, Steve. I'm loving this informal
4: garb. I'm hating the weather. Why do all the red southern states have to be so
0: doggone hot? But the AC works in here. It does. It is oppressively hot out. It is. So I have one goal the the last half hour of the show, okay, and that is to make you as uncomfortable as we possibly can because of how uncomfortable your woe and lamentation makes <laughs> much of our audience every week. So it's we're revenge. Gonna, yes, it is. We're gonna turn the tables on Daniel by doing our best to to make him discuss things that are really not serious <laughs> and and might even be completely fluffy, superfluous, and fun. And see now, this this is what will make Daniel nervous. All right. Literally calling down hellfire on a public official to his grill doesn't make Daniel nervous. Right now, Daniel is a little nervous. For example, Daniel, this portion of the show, you should know, is brought to you literally by my underwear. You came in here, Daniel, to talk about my underwear. I won't, I won't make you so uncomfortable by showing it to you. I know you don't want to go that far. But it is my underwear via Tommy John that is the only underwear I own, and yes, It does help to keep the ice cubes cool here, even in the 100-degree Texas heat. You're going to wish you were wearing some Tommy John underwear, Daniel. It is the absolute best underwear you've ever bought. Best thing I can say about Tommy John is they gave me a few pairs to try uh, for free when they came on board a couple of years ago, and I've liked it so much. It's the only underwear I have bought ever since, which is why, Daniel, I would recommend that you also Try Tommy John underwear, and in fact, you can get a discount code if you do, if you've never gone there before. Have you ever worn Tommy John underwear before, Daniel? Look, as long as it's not brought to you by Pfizer, I'm down. All right, you're willing to try it? Okay, so you can get 20% off right now, even you uh, as, as, as a member here of the team. You can get 20% off right now at TommyJohn.com Steve. And they do have stuff for the ladies too, but because I'm not Lindsey Graham, I've not tried that out. All right. So I can't tell you how good it is, but uh, I can tell you the stuff that the guys wear. uh, It is really good. Then again, Lindsey Graham can probably tell you a lot about that too. All right. So uh, 20% off uh, when you go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve. Again, that is TommyJohn.com slash Steve. (laughs) Well, speaking of Lindsey, I was wondering
4: the efficacy of Tommy John's against monkeypox. You know, I'm saying does... <laughs> oh, oh, here right. we go.
0: No, no, I mean, do you, do you came think? to play, folks. Yes, he did. Put a plug in it over there, Daniel. <laughs> all right, I'm no, saying, no, who's no, to got say got Joe Biden, you know, didn't get monkeypox? So. Uh, you know, we were joking at the top of the show. So yesterday he had cancer. Today he got COVID. Tomorrow it'll be myocarditis. And he's hit all three <laughs> of, uh, of the of the uh, JAB's uh, leading uh, symptoms. All right, let's get to three non-political questions.
2: Yes, we need a break from the decline and fall of Western civilization. We also need desperately to make Daniel as uncomfortable as possible. Three non-political questions, although this first one, our feet are still on the ground for this first one. What pre-1980s American historical factoid, other than the JFK assassination, do you have the most doubts about the narrative surrounding Hmm. it? Are you gonna go
4: first? Go ahead. I mean, Steve. Which one? Are there any of them where the narrative turned out to be true? Um, Joe McCarthy. That's Joe a good McCarthy. One. No, I mean, really, Joe McCarthy was the Peter McCullough, the mm. the Malone of his time. The notion that there weren't communists in the State Department and everywhere else. People forget that at his funeral in D.C., died very young, died brokenhearted. They destroyed him, destroyed him as a person. Um, he was beloved. That was one of the biggest funerals they they ever saw. So you think he's a dirtbag? There's a term named after him. In fact, everything going on now is McCarthyism except for McCarthy. Um, I think he is probably the most underrated person post-World War II in American politics. Um, and he is why... I think we all believe that this world is the first two minutes of the ball game and the next world is what matters you know he he lost everything his name was dragged in the mud. it's synonymous with like Hitler mm-hmm. um, but in fact that narrative that somehow he just attacked people for no reason is the biggest lie. I think the communism we have rooted in our country now did not start with Barack Obama. It did not start
0: in our generation. It was going on since then. That's a very good answer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I am I I got need more time to think if we're taking the Kennedy assassination off the table, Todd. So you go next.
1: That with the industrialization of America, the cityification of America, that public education... Was the answer when all these kids were no longer on the farm? They were in the city. Uh, public education was built as, as as the way to ultimately do something uh, with the kids, and thus it, it was a it came from benevolent impulses. Now, when I look back at that, as mm-hmm. far, all I can hear is League of Shadows uh, conversations going on. The notion that the, the time had come for the, the movers and shakers that we now talk about at the Great Reset, that th- th- their legacy goes all the way back to those moments. They knew finally with getting all these people into these grand population centers that there was an opportunity at hand to do things that couldn't even be dreamed of before.
0: So you're basically saying Horace Mann, Thomas Dewey yes, were Klaus Schwab in their yeah. era, is basically what you're saying? Y-
1: yes. Okay. And I don't know. If they were the useful idiots of it, or the prime movers, yep. but something. in And, there, and yes. Je- Jefferson warned
4: years before then that that would be the unmaking of America. That the distinguishing characteristic of America from Europe was the lack lack of urbanization. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like it was a plague on humanity, on the soul, and and you see it to this day. That is the that is the single biggest divide. We, we you could parse it with race, college education. How often you go to church per week, but the the city rural divide. I mean, look, we're here in Dallas. I mean, you know, Dallas is as as, as blue as as any major city mm-hmm. in California, whereas, you know, you go one county away from me in Maryland and it's as conservative as anything in Alabama. So that's what it is.
1: I love how Daniel just came down here to the belly of the beast. He's not shouting it from that. he's right here in Dallas saying,
0: You're all blue, come and get me. <laughs> I'm gonna go with World War One the entire narrative of world war 1. Mm. Uh and I see so many parallels to where we are today. I mean, I think I think the covid the, the covid stand is a fourth reich. But I but I mean the geopolitical scene covid notwithstanding, this is very reminiscent I think of world war 1. Um all the interconnectedness uh, you know, they were called Habsburgs back then. It's the World Economic Forum today. I think a lot of, of Russia and Ukraine is just basically, uh, you know, how dare Vladimir Putin, you know, you're supposed to belong to our megalomaniac club. How dare you start your own? Um, this is all guns of August stuff, all tribal. Uh, it, 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 it's pointless. Um, and and the reality is if, if, if Germany had won World War One. 20th century would have turned out dramatically different and better, I would argue. Yep. Uh, dramatically different and better. I mean, w- name what, was, what, was, what were the grand stakes being fought for in World War I. Basically, the grand stakes were one country who was paramount in the founding of American heritage, trying to gain hegemony over Europe versus another group of countries who were also very paramount in the founding of America. And for that, we invented weapons of mass destruction. Uh, For that, uh, we created uh, balkanized societies of cultures that had no business living together that sowed the seeds for for, for what came later. For that, we absolutely wrecked one of the proudest cultures in Europe and sowed the seeds for the ultimate megalomaniac to then emerge from that eternal sea. I just don't see any benefit that came from World War I waging it, let alone winning it, on any level whatsoever, uh, it was disastrous. It was it was literally you know one guy, the one family is ticked off because some some Marxist radicals assassinated one of their loved ones, and then for that we just played the telephone game and just let's just everybody start killing each other in a mat, in a matter of weeks shortly thereafter and then for the next mm-hmm. several years thereafter and and i just think it sowed the seeds for everything that was to come later in the 20th century we had we got the bolsheviks out of it think about this at a world war 1 we got nazism and sovietism those were the two lasting fruits of world war 1 and they painted they painted the western world red those two movements did for the next 100 years
4: And it also set the stage for foreign policy for the next hundred years, where both political parties created a consensus Mm -hmm. around just like the vicious cycle of government domestically, foreign policy wise, getting involved in things we shouldn't do. All right, before we get to the
0: rest of the questions, let me tell you about our friends over at Keeps. Fellas, if you are struggling, With hair loss and you're feeling a little sensitive about it, I've got the solution for you. Keeps has you covered. They offer the same doctor-recommended clinically proven research-backed treatments, but they offer you the generic version. So you're going to save a ton of money uh, by getting the generic versions instead of the uh, the big-name brands. Secondly, they do everything online. Uh, so there's a ton of convenience. You'll get one-on-one access to a licensed physician online, and then you'll get convenience, and that it'll be delivered directly to your door to keep it discreet and on the down low. And then finally, to get you started, Started On your first order, they'll give you half off your first order as well. So tons of savings, both on the front and the back end, with plenty of convenience and discretion in between. When you go to keeps.com slash grow, K-E-E-P-S <laughs> for keeps.com slash grow. You
2: know, my answer to that question, I'm going to keep it very brief because we don't have very much time left and because it'll make me sound somewhat crazy. One of the, one of the chief examples that leftists use... To say you can't let the Christians get in charge. What, what's one of the chief example historical examples that they use, at least from American history? Look what they did with prohibition. Look what they did. They're going to ban uh, alcohol, and look what all that uh, led to. I don't. I think the narrative surrounding prohibition. You know, obviously that the church was involved. I, I'm not totally sure that that's the that's the. You know, I think the I think there were other nefarious uh, actors in place here. Uh, I'm going to skip to the zany. <laughs> question last just to make sure that we get it in there okay if you were an uber driver and you were stuck in a traffic jam in dallas te- uh, heat at uh, 110 degrees for two hours with these groups of people oh boy who would you most want to be stuck with and provide two answer or two reasons why the cast of the view oh no Phil. no, no. phil visher and francis collins with two guitars or vecna From Stranger Things.
0: Um, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Phil Vischer and Francis Collins because it'll be hot. I'll be cranky. I'll be ornery. And I will be in a mood to inflict discipline with maximum prejudice upon two individuals that are very, very deserving of that.
1: Uh, I say Vecna. Vecna. Because my twelve-year-old daughter, who's a huge fan of that show, uh, every time he comes on, she giggles and says, "He kind of looks like the Grinch, doesn't he?"
4: <laughs> really, Daniel he does not look like. Wait, the do they get to bring their guitars? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so then, oh, that's a no-brainer because the bottom line is, music is the way to man's soul. I mean, you don't
0: have to talk; you just, you just say, "Hey, could you teach me how to play that guitar there?" So you um, want to sit there with Francis Collins, be uh, serenading you with songs about science is an anti-God? Believe in science? Yes. Get your jab. I, I could, I could do it with the song.
4: I can't do it with the word of mouth, like the View ladies. Like, no, I, I can't.
0: Yeah, that, that, that that's, that's nasty. Yeah, that is. That's a good word. That is nasty. <laughs> yes.
2: You know, I, I think I would be out of my misery sooner if Vecna was in the back seat. So I would go with I would go with Vecna because with Francis Collins and the cast of The View, who knows how long? Who knows how long you could actually last with that?
0: I plan on going misery on them if you get that right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh,
2: final question: Who in your life currently involved in your life could motivate you to literally run through a brick wall?
0: Who can motivate me to literally run through a brick wall? Um. Wow, uh, I guess I would say any competitive situation. I don't know that I could cite one particular person. do you mean a, in, a, in a masochist way? No, like you're fired up, like <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, like I'm inspired. That's, he means an in inspired way, you know, like a, 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 when a football coach gives a, you know, the, the win-win for the gipper fired-up speech, and I'm ready to go take somebody's head off right now. Okay, I guess the closest I could say to that because I I can respond positively in just about any competitive situation I mean I, I was I was working out to, at the hotel gym this morning they had a peloton down there then so it worked out great because Thursday's my peloton day and our uh our president Gaston Mooney was down there working out too and so he's doing his workout man it's competitive because I'm in there with him and I know him I ended up breaking like every one of my personal best marks on the peloton today okay so I respond well to competitively but there is nothing like you know, there's nothing like your wife saying, uh, go take their heads off. Make them pay, right? It's like when it's like when Adrian says, I want you to win in Rocky too. You know what I'm saying? So I guess I would go with that answer.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much the Jesus juke of answers to this question, but... Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to do I'll that. I'll say uh, David French because it's the opposite of... It's it's negative motivation. Like, I will do anything <laughs> to not be you. <laughs> Anything
4: nice? I was gonna say Mitch McConnell and the same there idea as you, but he, yeah. but no, on a positive root and branch. Oh my yeah. God, yeah, a polio vaccine. So, um, my my twelve year old son. I mean, I think you know that's the age where they're extremely impressionable. Yeah, and you want them to believe your father is cool. Yeah, you want them to understand. I want to be like that, not like all the crap that's around you. Yeah. So around him, I want to be at the top of my game.
0: Yeah, that's a good answer too. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I was going to say my son too. I mean, how old is he? He's just eleven months. <laughs> you know, but
2: you know, at the same time, uh, both you know, in a protective sense, but also in a in the same sense that Daniel's talking about. Whenever that time comes, you know, you want to show them that uh, the old man's got a little uh, something, something left over all the time.
0: All right, we're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers, and Daniel's going to stick around and do it with us. We're going to ask a simple question. What is China waiting for to invade Taiwan? Given the clown show our leadership is, what are they waiting for? We'll discuss that in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash days for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow. We'll be back here for day two right here in Dallas. Until then, John 317.